Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye, Donald. Goodbye, Donald. Goodbye, Donald. You're going to leave us now. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. It's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. If you are listening live, you can also join us in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, which uh, Gavin, uh, thank you for joining us in the chat as well. Shout out to you. Um, just sign up for your free blog talk radio account, and then you'll be able to join the chat and uh, leave your questions and comments there. If you're listening after live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc., over on the show thread at liberaldan.com on facebook.com slash liberaldan or at liberaldan radio on Twitter. Of course, as always, if you want to support the show, there's many ways to do it. There's free ways to do it, like you know, like my tw- like follow me on Twitter, uh, liberaldan radio on YouTube, subscribe to that channel get enough subscribers, I can start getting that content monetized. And if you want, really want to support the show, you can support the Patreon, you get shout outs, uh, you can get commercial advertising, you can sponsor bits, uh, all of the above, all on patreon.liberaldan.com. That'll bring you right there to it. Um, got lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, we have at the bottom half of the hour, um, we have a good uh, friend coming back to the show, Ian Gerbitz. Uh, he will be coming back. I don't believe he's been on since the election, so it'll be interesting to have a continued conversation about what happened with the election and what's happened since then. And I'm sure um, Ian and myself are both uh, can, can get a little blue. So if you uh, you know don't like bad language, you know you might want to keep put, take the kids out the room during that second half of the hour. Uh, however. Uh, love having him on uh, hopefully he will become a regular guest of the podcast and you will support him and his books as well so i want to do my shout outs uh to demonox uh the host of the world according to Knox. um you can find that on google podcast as well uh he is the first uh, liberal band radio patreon so again big shout out to him thank you for that and to cesar my good friend out in california for also backing the podcast appreciate you as well you happen to be a, a gay man in California looking for a nice single dude. He's a, he wanted me to shout that out. So there you go. He's a good guy. Um, very awesome guy. Uh, I would definitely highly, highly recommend him uh, as a friend, if not more. Anyway, so there's that. Um, if you want shout outs as well, again, support the Patreon, support the show. Um, what else? Let's see. Oh, you got that. Um, I'll just talk about that after the break, I guess, after the first break. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, what's going on post-presidential election with Donald Trump, with um, with uh, 
excuse me, um, the uh, Supreme Court rebuffing him and his uh, continued breakdown, his fall from, I don't know if you'd call it a fall from grace, because I don't know if he was ever at any place where you would describe it as grace, but his continued, uh, his continued tumble, his downfall, if you will, um, just needs to beat down in the bunker with his Ava Braun, I guess, if you wanted to be more perfect. Um, you have his uh, supporters continuing. Uh, the mayor of, was it, um, it's not Tombstone. It's the other town that's well known for, you know, being an old West town and I'm blanking on it, but that mayor resigned as mayor because of death threats that she got, uh, from the death threats that she got uh, for implementing a mask mandate. And she not only resigned her job as a mayor because she was tired of the death threats, and she moved. They moved her out of town. I mean, it's very old West uh, that, that the mayor of a town gets run out of town. Um, and I'll get to your question in a second, Gavin. Um, it's very strange that that, that, that would happen. Um, or, you know, nowadays it seems very old Westy, a very old Westy thing to do. But she also left the Republican Party because of it. She's now registered as an, a non-party voter uh, because of the fact that, you know, she, the Republican Party that she knew um, is much different than the Republican Party as it is right now. The Republican Party now is a Trump party. It is the party of Donald Trump. As somebody said, I think it was on MSNBC earlier today, I was listening in the car, and as somebody said, until somebody proves it otherwise, um, the, the Republican Party is simply just Donald Trump's party, and there's there's no there's no changing that. Now, what's interesting is I posted if you go on uh, Facebook.com/slash/liberal-day, and I shared uh, this article from the Business Insider. Uh, Trump is pocketing Georgia Senate runoff donations for his PAC, while GOP candidates themselves don't get a dollar. A new report. So, so we're fundraising a Georgia runoff. So it's a brief summary of this. Uh, President is diverting 75% of most donations to his Save America Political Action Committee, effectively allowing him to hold that money for future endeavors. 25% goes to the RNC, uh, so the campaigns of Loeffler and Purdue are not going to directly get any dollar from Trump's campaign push. So he is using um, Loeffler and Purdue's names to fundraise, but he's not helping them fundraise. He's, he's, he's keeping it mostly for himself, potentially for a 2024 run. Um, let's see. Uh, he's approaching the runoffs in a similar way. How has he been approaching fundraising apparatus for his post-election legal efforts, which also have been, if you read the fine print, those election, that election. Uh, oh, Bringing a Boy is also in the chat. Welcome, Bringing a Boy. We got three now, including myself in the chat. That's awesome. Um, let's see, a uh, longtime GOP strategist, I guess, try to strategist told Politico, uh, the reality is Donald Trump doesn't care about the future of the Republican Party. Uh, he can raise money off of Georgia runoffs, but keep the money for his own purposes. Um, so Gavin in the chat said, do you think Ossoff and Warnock will win the runoffs? I don't think so. Maybe Warnock, but not Ossoff. Um, in Georgia, the key to getting elected, the key to Biden's victory, and the key for overall, as, as Republicans and Democrats know, is the, is the black vote. You know, black voters need to come out in mass 
to support both candidates if they're going to win. That's how Biden won. Uh, that's how Kemp won because Kemp targeted black voters during 2018 and kicked them off the rolls and dispro- much disproportionately show. I have a video on YouTube about that. If you look at my video series about the GOP coup, you will see the numbers on the, and the fact that uh, the amount of people that were uh, removed from the voting list were, were, were disproportionately uh, areas that supported Stacey Abrams and not that supported Kemp and Kemp's office of, of the exact match policy that was, that had to be codified in the law because uh, when he implemented it as a department policy that, you know, in a, in a way before it was made into law, the courts overruled it because it was, it was extra legal. I guess you might describe it that way. Um, so Ossoff, so, so, so Office of Warnock, how, how are those votes going to go? I, let me look up real quick. Um, it's one Georgia Senate results. We're going to look that up real quick just to see um, how these votes came in and who got more votes. If well, I guess that's the problem. It's hard to say who got more votes because – the races were so different. The Purdue Ossoff race were much. There was only Purdue Ossoff and one Libertarian uh, running for that seat, whereas in the second one you had multiple people from multiple uh, parties who were running. Um, ugh, where is? They're not making it very easy. To uh, <laughs> to find this because you had two in one race, uh, but you know the the people the the Loeffler versus Warnock. Um, there we go. Yeah, Warnock had thirty two point nine percent of the vote versus Loeffler's twenty five point nine with the special election, with Doug Collins getting another twenty percent, um, and then that doesn't equal the whole one hundred percent, obviously. But that's 45 to 32% and somebody else was in there. It's not showing up on this, on this list, but anyway, it's hard to compare the two. It's hard to say whether or not um, Warnock will be able to bring more votes than Ossoff. What I have seen. Yeah. What and the Loeffler did split votes with the Republican as well. And that's, that's the biggest difference between um, Loeffler and Warnock with the vote split versus um, Purdue and Ossoff, where they weren't splitting votes with other members of their own party. They were just splitting third party votes. Um, I don't know. It's, so it's kind of hard to say, but here's, here's the thing you have. Um, you might view that Warnock has an advantage in that he's, he might be more likely to get the black vote out being that uh, he is a black preacher uh, from from Atlanta, I believe. I believe he's in Atlanta. Um, so you have that advantage for him. However, on the other side of the coin, you you might have the Georgians that might be the well, we don't like Trump, but we're not necessarily the the most tolerant of people, and maybe that they might vote for the other guy. Of course, the other guy happens to be Jewish, and known Jews sometimes suffer the same downfalls. Being a Jew myself, I could speak to that. Uh, people are like, oh, a Jewish person, huh? Um, so, the, uh, 
Oh, God. Bring it, boy. The black vote didn't help Biden. It was the felons and the dead that helped. Uh, actually, what, what helped Biden, what, what turned out, according to at least one Republican expert in Georgia, I think it might have been somebody who was from the Secretary of State. I don't believe it was the Secretary of State himself. I think what he had said was the fact that Trump slowed down the mail service in Georgia and made it so that votes were received late. And in Georgia, you mailed it on time. If the vote was received after Election Day, it could no longer be accepted or counted towards the overall results. Uh, that Republican believed that this harmed Trump more than it harmed Biden, that Trump would have netted the votes needed to surpass uh, Donald Trump, uh, to surpass Joe Biden, I mean, in the Georgia election, had he not slowed down the mail, um, which is, you know, an interesting point. I don't, I don't know if that's valid or correct. That may, you know, it seems to be counterintuitive. Because it seems to go against the idea that, you know, you know, why Donald Trump was railing against mail-in voting, because he knew uh, that Democrats were more likely to take mail-in voting uh, as an option uh, to take advantage of it for many reasons. A, it's just they, if, if it's available to the to Democrats, Democrats may use it. B, uh, the fact that Democrats are probably more likely to take this vaccine to take the virus seriously than than the republicans are republicans are more likely to show up and you know not wear a mask and go vote and not care about covid because they don't believe it saw a video today of somebody who it was a husband and wife that were both sick with covid and the guy's mother-in-law was posting the video and and he said that uh the mother-in-law won't get treated uh for the virus because she's a trump supporter and she still believes that it's false and it's fake and that it's a hoax and even though Donald Trump did not say that the virus was a hoax, Donald Trump said that the Democratic response to the virus was a hoax. I said way back when, when he said that, I said his listeners are going to hear this and they're going to interpret that as this is a hoax and we're not going to believe anything about it. And because Donald Trump admitted to Woodward on tape that he downplayed the threat of the virus, that, and he knew that it was worse than the flu. He knew that it would be more deadly than the flu. He knew this, and yet he sat on that information. Why? Because he likes to downplay things. As I've said on this show many times, he likes to sugarcoat things to the point where everybody should be having diabetes. Everybody should have their A1C checked uh, to see whether or not they have diabetes from uh, – from, uh, Donald Trump uh, sugarcoating things as much. I did have my A1C test, but actually, on a side note, I, I had one yesterday, actually. And if you compare my test from May and now, you actually will see that I've, my A1C has dropped. Why? Because I've dieted and I lost 42 pounds. So yay me. Little little shout out to me and my little health progress there. So uh, once you go mask, you ain't going back. Uh, that's what bringing up what he says. Uh, no, I, I believe that uh, there will come a point in time where uh, when, when the officials who are experts, the virologists, the epidemiologists will say, look, masking is no longer required because we now have COVID-19 under control because we have a virus be or vaccine. I should say we have a vaccine that'll help 
stop the spread of the virus and we've administered enough dosages of the vaccine so that we have a net herd immunity because of that. Um, now, maybe the fact that we're seeing the experts explain to us that masking can help fight diseases. And I, I've seen people ask questions online like, why do we, um, you know, why aren't we seeing all these hearing about the flu? Why are we not hearing about the flu spreading as much as we normally would? Well, you know, because of the fact that hey, we, we still have a flu vaccine. I've gotten my flu vaccine already this year. We still have that vaccine, but we're also doing things to stop the spread of COVID. Some of us are at least that will also stop the spread of the flu. So if I'm symptomatic with or asymptomatic with the flu and I have my mask on, I don't realize that I'm asymptomatic with the flu. I'm not going to spread it or I'd be less likely to spread it because I'm wearing my mask. And maybe just maybe when flu season rolls around, people might say, well, I'm going to take my vaccine, but I'm also going to wear my mask. Or maybe even some of the people that can't take the vaccine might be like, you know, that whole masking thing that we did for COVID, it works to help the spread of the flu too, or help fight the spread of the flu. So let's go ahead and do that as well. So it's a, it's a good thing that people are maybe learning that, you know, during times when this, it might get bad, like winters, um, maybe we do wear masks more often like some other countries do to look out for our fellow human beings. I actually have, if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.liberaldan.com or Liberal Dan Radio on YouTube, whichever one to search it up. I actually, I published a video today, uh, another one of my quote, fat man rants. And the sad thing about the title of that video series is the fact that, you know, I actually have people who will come who will respond to my videos like, well, you're fat. <laughs> You're, I don't know. You don't know what you're talking about because you're fat. Or maybe you should, maybe you should take better care of yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that has nothing to do with the topic at hand. But thanks for playing. Here's some parting gifts. Uh, but I have to name this video series Fat Man Ranch just to to kind of be self-deprecating and to also um, and to also uh, you know kind of circum counteract or prevent those types of responses because how stupid would you be if you can't i mean you're already stupid if you're responding to a video by commenting that i'm fat but how stupid would you be if if you mocked somebody for being fat who already just mocked himself for being fat so it doesn't make uh, any sense um but you know the de facto herd immunity that you're going to be getting from people taking the vaccine um is is something that is you know, we're still going to learn about how well the vaccine does to prevent the spread, or does it just prevent the person who gets it from getting bad symptoms? We don't know totally that yet. And that, that information is, I think, still to come. Uh, if, if I'm reading what the government sites and the, and the uh, pharmaceutical company sites have said about these two vaccines now, uh, but back in the day, a Trump, Trump appointee, uh, repeatedly urged health officials to adopt a, quote, herd immunity approach to COVID-19. They wanted people to get sick. They wanted uh, the infants, kids, teens, young people, young adults, middle-aged with no conditions, et cetera, have zero to little risk. So we use them to develop herd. We want them infected. And it might be that it will be the best if we open up and flood the zone and let the kids and young folk get affected in order to get, quote, natural immunity, natural exposure. But that is there is no scientific evidence to show that this is the thing. I mean, this doesn't, 
for all the people that are trying to say this is just the flu, um, that's not how the flu works because you have different strains of the flu every year and you don't get herd immunity by just getting the, sick with the flu because the next year it might be a different strain of the flu. And so, there, so that doesn't work for the flu. And it didn't work for Sweden. Sweden was something that everyone pointed to, who at least in the herd immunity crowd, and said, look, Sweden's doing great. Sweden's no longer doing great. Sweden's suffering because they tried to get the herd immunity. Um, they tried to get the herd immunity and, it, and they failed. It, it did not work for them. And this, this just goes to show why this administration has probably been the worst administration when it comes to science for decades, if not the entirety of uh, the history of the union. Um, bringing it, boy, uh, I believe last time you were, you were in the chat, you also mentioned something about cover your hands, help the spread of germs. I have to disagree with that statement that covering hands helps the spread of germs. No, that is not true. That if you cover your hands, that's going to help the spread because covering your hands might pre- prevent you from, let's say you, you are manipulating something that might be infected and then you throw that, those gloves away, and then you replace the gloves like if you're in a medical setting. But if you're wearing gloves the entire time you're at the store, that's really no different than if you are have no hands. No hands. I'm sorry. There are people who have gotten COVID that have no hands. That, that's, that's something that does need to be pointed out. Because according to like this expert or this Trump appointee said, you know, well, these people are not at risk. No, they are at risk. They might not die. But people, there are people who recovered from this who have gotten uh, myocarditis, lung scarring, lots of other conditions. There are some people who've had their hands and feet amputated because they've had, they were infected with COVID-19. People who were relatively healthy previously. Um, but the covering your hands doesn't do it because, you know, I'm probably better off if after wa- you know, washing my hands regularly, obviously, like you should always be doing. And then you go to the store and when you touch a couple of things, like maybe before, let's say you have to manipulate your mask, maybe it slipped down or something. You know, so you have with you a small little bottle of uh, antibacterial, antiviral gel. Um, you 60% or more percent alcohol. Rub it on your hands. Let it dry off. Let it kill everything on your hands. And then you can touch your mask and not have to worry about spreading the disease from whatever you touched to whatever you're going to be touched. That's what happens every time I go to Costco. I bring my little jar, I'm a jar, my little bottle of antibacterial gel with me, and I apply it every once in a while after I've touched a bunch of things or if I need to adjust uh, my mask. Let's see, other countries don't have the immune systems we have here in the United States. I don't know, the countries where, where they're seeing this, I think some, some of these countries are, are probably healthier uh, than the United States as well. Um, Let's see, Gavin, it's an airborne virus, already 20 strains. COVID. I, I don't know if it's airborne, so to speak. Uh, I, I have to see a link on it being airborne. Uh, it is spreadable via air in that it can travel on saliva. You know, it can become aerosol. Your saliva can, can become aerosol. aerosol aeros- <sighs> I'm having a problem with that word today. An aerosol. It can become an aerosol. And... <laughs> it can spread that way. That's why you want to wear a mask because when you're talking, when you're shouting, when you're singing, when you're doing many things where spit is leaving your mouth, uh, if by wearing a mask, you're stopping that spit from spraying all over the place. And instead it's going to stay within your personal zone. It's not going to go on as many items 
that other people might be touching. So and that's why it's it's frustrating when you're out and you see these people with their masks down below their chin. Obviously, that's ridiculously stupid. Or you see them with their mask only covering their mouths and not their nose. I mean, they might be mouth breathers, but they're not. They're still going to have stuff coming in out of their nose. You do breathe in and out of your nose. And so you're going to be breathing out of your nose. And so particles may still be coming out of your nose as well, which means you're going to be spreading the virus unless you cover the entire uh, thing. Uh, vaccines will make the virus mutate more frequently in order to find people to infect. It still helps people who are susceptible. I mean, it's possible. I mean, that, the same argument has been made about um, when you have um, take an antibiotic. Um, take, taking too much antibiotics can cause the spread of resistant strains or can promote the spread of dis- resistant strains because sometimes you just want the uh, virus to uh, um, spread uh, normally, I guess, or the, or the bacteria to spread. Um, so, you know, if it's not that dangerous, like, or, or they don't want to use the good antibiotics because they don't want to promote, you know, those resistant strains. And that's, that, that is something that's real. Um, however, let's see, besides the exception of those who need to be protected, herd immunity is the same thing the vaccine does, except that it doesn't. That's the thing there's, there's no evidence. I mean, look, if there was scientific evidence that herd immunity worked, that once you get the virus, that you are no longer, that you're immune and that you're no longer going to get the virus again. If that, if that, if there was scientific evidence showing that that was the case for COVID-19, then I might agree with the idea, protect the people that are immunocompromised, protect the people who are higher risk, and then let everybody go back and do it that way. If that was the case. And if, the virus only was a threat to those people, but it's not the case. There are people who are healthy who have died. There are people who are healthy who get sick, who are going to have lifelong conditions because of COVID-19. And there's no evidence to show that there is any efficacy in herd immunity via widespread of the virus. So what you would do by, by making, letting everybody get the virus, let's say all 300, let's say 300 million people in this country got the virus. Uh, The stated case fatality rate of this virus is 3%. Some people can show it as low as 2% recently for America because we've had better therapeutics. Um, and look, you know, some of the therapeutics are good. Some of the therapeutics that Trump talked about are bogus or horse hockey, um, whatever you want to talk about, if you will. And caller, I see you. I'm going to be taking a break and I'll get to you in a second, probably Ian. Um, but, but, I just lost my train of thought because I saw the caller. Um, vaccine is hot, bringing a boy. I'm going to have to see a link. Flycatch is in the chat. Hey, welcome, Flycatch. Thank you for joining us. Um, herd immunity didn't work for polio. Exactly, Gavin. Um, herd, immunity doesn't work. herd immunity doesn't work for herpes either. You, you get it. You're sick with it. You never recover from it. And <laughs> there you are. Sorry, wait. What is that? It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Um, there's, there's not enough evidence to show that herd immunity is something that can be achieved via getting those people out there. But again, if, if you got, even if you want to believe some of the numbers that say that it's a 1% case fatality rate, which is a very low number, if you want to believe that, then guess what? That's still 3 million people dying in this country if you want to attempt a herd immunity route, if you had 
any evidence showing that that actually works. So you would have to have 3 million people die to prove that right. And then if it turns up not being right and herd immunity doesn't give lifelong protection, then you've killed 3 million people for nothing when you could have taken the virus seriously. You could have taken those steps seriously. You could have not mocked masking like Donald Trump did. You could have not fought back against social distancing measures like Donald Trump did. We could have gotten everything under control. We could have gotten stimulus that would have helped small businesses stay where they are while being closed, while supporting their families, while their employees can support their families. So people who didn't feel this urge rush to have to break the law in order to live. You'd have that. You know, if we would have had a president that was a real leader that would have taken this seriously. Anyway, let's go ahead and take our probably only but first commercial break. Uh, come back. We'll be talking with Ian Gerbitz about this issue, about Donald Trump and his uh, continued floundering and more. Taking your calls, your questions in the chat as well. 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Alright, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say. Sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the team. Would you like to support Liberal Dan Radio? Would you like a shout out on the podcast or the minicast? Would you like to purchase advertising or sponsor a bit like Hypocrite of the Week or Words of Redneck Wisdom? You can even sponsor the whole hour. Then become a Liberal Dan Patreon. You can help me grow my audience, and for a limited time, first hour advertisers will lock in their rates. For the life of the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash liberal Dan and support the show today. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out budgetears.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? 
Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to put some money away for holiday gifts or just create a separate account to save money for a rainy day? Do you want to get a savings bonus every month for money deposited? Do you want the chance to earn up to $10 million simply by depositing money into an FDIC-insured bank? Then open a Yada account and use code LIBERALDAN, make a deposit, and you can get 100 free tickets for next week's jackpot. Each deposit can earn you extra tickets as well. And I've made it easy for you. Just go to yada.liberaldan.com and sign up. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan dot com. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. And the topic of this, the title of the show is unprecedented uh, instead of unprecedented. It was, the, it was a purposeful typo uh, because of the fact that the Electoral College met this week and confirmed what most of us already knew, uh, that the president-elect of this nation is Joe, Joseph Robinette Biden. And um, last time we had, I think, I believe it was before uh, the presidential election is the last time Ian Gerbich was on the show. Uh, so I do want to welcome you back on, Ian. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. You're always a welcome guest. Anytime you want to no, come thanks. on, just let me know. Um, and thanks. do you do you uh, what's what's going on in the world of, of Ian? Uh, you know, I've just been hanging on, waiting on every single vote, every single court case, going back and forth between the TV and Twitter. You know, losing my mind on a daily basis. But you know, for the last. <laughs> Ever, t- ever since the Electoral College met, I've started to breathe just a little bit easier. And I don't know whether that's a false sense of security or just the feeling that a major impediment, you know, <laughs> that we've gotten over that. But you know right. what? I, it, it's just exasperating because, I mean, right now it's, it's like Trump is in the bunker, like Hitler and the allies <laughs> and the Russians are on their way. And he's sitting there thinking, you know, I think there's a way out of this. Yeah. We, we just tell them the war. We tell them the war was rigged. There is a way out of it, uh, if you take that analogy, and I kind of alluded to that earlier in the show as well. Um, so uh, I believe that's where he he came up with his final solution for himself. Um, was yeah, down there a, in that bunker. <laughs> so that would be his Trump's final solution is his uh, hail mary that he's preparing for January sixth. Right. So, but what's 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 amazing is uh, the. The, the the fact that they can't even read the Constitution that they're trying to cite. But one of the things, one of my friends shared with me something that one of her Facebook friends had shared, which supposedly was from um, Jenna, the lawyer, uh, Donald Trump's lawyer, yeah. the other lawyer that got COVID, not Jenna Rudy. Ellis. Yeah, Jenna Ellis, yes. And um, Jenna Ellis has specifically stated on her Twitter account, there's a post going on that's attributed to me. It's not me. So she's not making this point uh, that everyone's trying mm-hmm. to make. And I, and and I said, um, 
friend said this is from a lawyer that I know or whatever. And I was like, yeah, the funny thing is his lawyer is probably, he's probably just a, a tax attorney um, who knows nothing. And, you know, which is kind of like going to a podiat listening to a podiatrist about their opinions, uh, why Fauci is wrong on the virus. And her response yeah. was, well, she, it's a she, but yes, yeah, she's a tax attorney, which made me die laughing because I accurately predicted that, you know, yes, this is not, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a tax attorney. One of my relatives is a lifelong tax attorney, but I believe even she would tell you that she's not the person to go to on constitutional or electoral issues. So, yeah, the idea that, I think I think she's uh, I think she's proven that in public. Yeah. Well, with 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 Jenna, Alice, um, she, you know, I, I've responded to her a couple of times. I've never gotten a response back, obviously, because when you're on Twitter and you have a check mark next to your name, you can. I guess not get notifications from other non-checkmark folks. Um, mm -hmm. so, so, so unless she wants to, she won't see it. Um, and uh, basically, I said, you know, attorneys have can be, you know, fifty percent of attorneys in court cases are wrong, almost all the time, <laughs> because yeah. that's, you have a winning side and a losing side. And it's amazing how many times Trump's legal team has been wrong. I, I mean. It's getting to the point of meteorologist levels where, you know, the meteorologist would be like, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. Nope, it's not. And these Trump's legal team is wrong almost as much as meteorologists are. And that's a pretty sad comment. Yes, it's, it's, it's almost uh, they're, it's, they're not even worthy of being called a legal team. I mean, it's more just his clown car that's running around town. You know, Rudy's dripping hair dye from his head. He's farting, not on cue uh, in the <laughs> middle of these. Uh, you know, middle of these situations, he's screaming about fraud out in public. Then he goes into court and says, oh, no, we're not alleging fraud. You know, there right. is no there there in any of this. This is just a PR, a traveling uh, medicine show based on a false idea that he's put out there that he put out way before the election. This is his uh, it's like an insurance bet on a crap table. You know, he right. put out, this is rigged. I will accept the results of the election if I win, which he said in 2016. And before this election, when he saw the polls, he put it out there again, you know, knowing that he was not doing well. And at that point, he said, I'm sending lawyers, guns and money. And so far, he's lived up to all three. Yep. You know, and it's, he's going to fight it to the bitter end. And what's amazing, what, 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 what made my day with the chat with the legal challenge to the to the for the for Texas's lawsuit, which just yeah. baffling me as to how any conservative could get behind this. Because conservatives always talk about the the myth of states' rights. Uh, I say the myth of states' rights yep. because states don't have rights; states have powers. People have rights, but the whole this whole you know states should be able to determine things for themselves, and and, and states' rights work. I guess states' rights are only for the rights to discriminate against people, specifically black and brown people, and not when it comes to running their own elections. Um, but the whole idea that they would be that they would think that they would have standing was uh, I've been critical of standing, uh, how the Supreme Court treats standing on the show sometimes because I think it's a little too strict. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that if somebody should be able to sue, like if if my state does something that I feel is unconstitutional, I should be able to. To bring a lawsuit to prevent the state from doing that, even if I can't prove direct harm, and it's not the case. If I can't prove direct harm to me, I can't bring a case to the Supreme Court. Uh, but right, but this, clearly, this whole thing was is premised on uh, disputes between two states 
that have to go to the Supreme Court. So since when does Texas get to talk about how Georgia runs its election? Exactly. They, there's, there's, they shouldn't, and they shouldn't be able to, and the Supreme Court rightly tossed the case. And it was basically nine to nothing, although there were some, I think, issues yeah. that came out where it was seven to two, um, because mm-hmm. I think Thomas and Alito would have allowed the case to move forward, but they didn't allow for any injunctive relief. Um, they, they didn't believe in allowing for any injunctive So for injunctive relief, it was nine nothing. Um, otherwise, it was seven to two, which means that the, all three of Trump's Supreme Court nominees were like, nope, sorry, you, have, this, yep. you do not have standing on this. And it's just amazing. Yep. Um, and it's amazing that they think that, you know, now these people, oh, well, in that whole big long post that was like, oh, this is part of Trump's plan to see where you know, this is all brilliant and this is how it's going to take place because now the Supreme Court can, can make this other decision and, and because this, the state legislatures can now overturn, you know, because the state legislatures get to choose the electors. Like, no, the state legislatures get to choose the manner in which they are chosen, but it's not legal for them to do so after the fact. So that, yeah, that's, that's this- a big sticking point. Yeah, this is a done deal. They have one more play in them that won't work, but yet my guess is they're going to find some some senator, you know, Mo Brooks or one of these people yeah. who is going to object, and they'll find someone in the House, and they'll adjourn for a couple of hours, and it will go nowhere. And at that point, I don't know what recourse he's got unless he summons his flying monkeys, the Proud Boys, back to uh, D.C. And to do what? You know, I mean, I've said before, I'm tempted to just be okay with them to say, look, y'all can get Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, the Dakotas and Nebraska. Just make that your own, you know, Trumpistan or Donatistan or whatever you want to call it. Let let you can have Trump rule you over there, however you want to vote him in to do so. Um, you can build a wall if you want. Not that not that anyone's want to go there because the land of Covidia will probably be dead soon anyway. We probably have to prevent the people from leaving the land of Covidia um, yeah. after the fact because no one's going to be taking vaccines and everyone's going to be, you know, getting horribly sick. You could they could test their herd immunity idea there, I guess, if they wanted to. Uh, the only problem Absolutely. with my idea is that, only problem with that idea is that I wouldn't want to include. Uh, the lands where Native Americans live on, because I wouldn't want to subject them to that. They should be able to um, have, I guess, self-rule in those areas, and and so carve out those areas. The rest of the land should say, look, yeah. there you go. Do do an experiment, see how it goes, and then you get rid of ten conservative senators, and there you go. <laughs> the Senate then automatically yeah. becomes as well. Um, yeah, I, you, I, can, I, uh, you could sp- split up the Dakotas. Let, uh, let them go with Christy Nome and one of them. We'll take the other one. <laughs> go do herd immunity. Knock yourselves off. This is evolution in action. Right. You know, this, is natural, this is natural selection. So be my guest. You know, Absolutely. do it any way you want, but you are not taking this one. But, <clears throat> again, I'm, my focus right now is if we get past January 20th, you know, what's next? You know, the thing that I, I – you know, part of me wants to wants to see this, and part of me doesn't want to see this. Part of me just wants to see Trump not refusing to leave the White House and just see how he's drug out of there, yelling and screaming like a raving lunatic. Part of me, yeah, I, I've got nothing. Part of, part of yeah. me, 
part of me is just like that would probably really be bad, even worse for the nation, you know. But part of me just really wants to see it because I'm petty. <laughs> I really. Well, you know, I'm I, I'm kind of a fan of the Qaddafi exit. So if he really wants <laughs> to take it there, uh, by all means, let's go there, because they gave him a real ceremonial standoff. Uh, send off and uh, he's he's worthy of the same one but you know before we hit that we have the, the georgia runoff story about right and and that's you know that was an initial question that one of the people who's no longer in the chat right now did mention is what, what, what i feel about the georgia runoff and i think I, i'm bringing it back to that topic um i, I think it really depends on again just as it did for biden for black voter turnout if if, if the black voters can come out in enough with enough force to overwhelm uh, any fights by the Republicans to block them from doing so. I think it's possible that we get both seats. We Senator or vice president Harris. Now uh, vice president elect Harris gets to be that over that 51st vote to, to break all the ties. And we get to, um, um, and then, and then we get to actually have no obstruction going on from this point forward. Uh, bringing a boy yeah. in the chat asks, why is why has Kamala not given up her Senate seat? Well, because she's still senator until she's January twentieth. <laughs> so why would she and, give uh, up that seat until January twentieth? And at which point Newsom will name somebody, and I'm sure Newsom will, you know, wants to go over the, all the possibilities of who might be named to that seat and and who is going to be the best steward of uh, representing California. I know bringing a boy is uh, from. California, um, him and his wife call into the show before, and that's you know, they're they're conservative, but they're more fair. Let's see, why is the left worried about the election being overturned? Because the left is concerned about unethical people, because Donald Trump tried to stack the courts in his favor in order to get favorable rules. So far, it's failed, obviously, um, but that's the point for stealing the Senate seat from, from Barack Obama uh, to yes. um, convincing Kennedy to leave strong arming Kennedy out of the seat uh, to um, not following the same rules they set forth during the, when um, um, Merrick Garland was uh, the nominee to, to now when uh, Tony Barrett was the nominee uh, that they, they well, ripped three Senate seats, and- three justice seats away uh, to try and stack the courts in Donald Trump's favor. That and, and other actions. Right. He hasn't accepted this at all. 60 court cases. This right. is not normal. So obviously he's doing every single thing he can. And if he could strong arm it, if he could get the military to walk in and say, yeah, we're not, uh, we're not leaving, he would do it. That's how amoral this guy is. You know, yeah. and, 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 I, and I truly, he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be the president. But he doesn't want to go to Rikers. Right. And that's, and that's where he is. And the other thing is, is that I've said this before. I said this on Twitter, I think, up to three years ago, maybe even more. You know, I said, you know, when I pointed at when you had the – how you had the Egyptian military, when, when the people up overthrew oh, yeah. Mubarak, and I was like, you know, I was, one, I'm, I was like, I'm wondering and I'm hoping that the American military would step up and do the right thing as well. Uh, if they were called upon to do so. And I, I really do believe that if, if Donald Trump did try and say, I'm going to stay in power, that the military would say, nope, sorry, you're not. Um, I, th- I think that they would uphold the election and, and the will of the voters, the will of the Electoral College. 
Um, the fact, and, and it's just Donald Trump is just never going to admit that he lost. He will never admit nope. it. They, and they are they are like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. They are testing those fences every single time. He will yep. not let go. He may, you know, in his I wouldn't say his heart because he doesn't have one inside. <laughs> yeah. In what tiny little brain he's got, he is aware of the fact that he lost and he's got no recourse. Chances are he'll go down to Mar-a-Lago and just never come back. That, and, that's been, that, that was one of the theories that 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 for once you know everyone leaves and goes home for the winter holidays when he goes home to Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. for, for for Christmas that he just never returns and he he just stays down there until the twentieth and then all of a sudden you know at that point. You know, he no longer is president, uh, even though he'll think that he is. Um, he can he'll... he can call himself president of Earth 2, whatever he likes. You know, Confederacy 2.0. Pick a name. He's good at branding. You can yeah. brand it whatever you like. You know, my concern right now, again, is, is Georgia, because if you get those two seats and Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker, that changes Mitch McConnell's calculus a whole lot. Yep. However... If not, if you just get one or none or whatever that equation is, if he's got a majority, what I wonder is how is he going to play it? Is he going to go full-on obstruction like he did with Obama? Or is, you know, I wonder if Biden knows him well enough to call him into the Oval Office and say, Let's, how are we going to play this? You know, let's decide right here and now how we're going to do this. Because I will come I, down on you. <laughs> like no one ever has if you play with, those games again. The obsession that the Republicans and McConnell specifically has with this um, trying to protect businesses with, you know, liability protection, with preventing them right. from being sued. I mean, corporations in and of themselves are already liability protect shields. They already protect unscrupulous actors. Uh, when they act unscrupulously, that that their personal funds can't be gone after, that unless some boxes are checked. But you know, the already they're already uh, there's already too much protection in corporations for people to act unscrupulously. They want businesses to be able to act irresponsibly and then not get sued. And I don't understand. I mean, I understand why it is because they don't care about workers. Uh, they only care mm-hmm. about bottom lines and profits, especially short-term profits. Um, but you know, why, how people can still support this idea. Uh, I mean, I know, I also know why that's the case too, honestly, is because the people who will never own corporate, who will never own their own successful businesses, who will never be wealthy, never be rich, uh, will still look at it and say, well, one day I might be. So therefore I want to make sure that when I get to that point, if I ever get to that point, that I'm not prevented from acting in the same way that I see my heroes acting like Trump and McConnell and everyone else. The same reason why Confederate soldiers who didn't own slaves fought for the South for the right to own slaves, because one day, maybe, they yeah. might be successful enough to, to own, a, own a person. I'm sorry, they didn't consider them people, but to own a slave. And at that point, they want to be able to do it just like their heroes do. So, Yeah. Now, did, did I read somewhere that the Republicans were, just, were putting that, taking that off the table? Taking as the, part of what the protection against corporations being sued, was that coming off the table and Democrats were giving up something so they could get closer to a deal? Well, let me see if I can. 
I haven't seen that yet. Uh, 12 hours ago, according to Forbes, report relief deal will include stimulus checks, exclude state aid and liability. So it looks like state aid might be coming yeah. off the table in order for liability to also come off the yes. table. Which that's what, that's what I thought I heard. So it's, and it's possible that that's true, and if true, meh. But you know, at least the people get you know the aid what? that they need to get. Um, this this is this is a crisis situation. You need to get money in people's pockets right now. Right. You know, at some point, you know, you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. This is triage. You need to right. get help to people immediately. And again, depending on how the Georgia goes, we'll right. see who's got what power come January, but right. you can't diddle around with this and play head games forever uh, because if, at some point Democrats are going to have to use this as a weapon. You know, you not only let people get sick, you not only went along with that, you're now letting people starve and die. You know, right. we've got this vaccine on the way, but this is, not, this is not an instant panacea. I heard somebody just tonight saying at the current rate with two vaccines, everybody will be vaccinated by June. Right. That's a, that's a long way off. It is. And, um, and one of the things that, that makes it crucial is that, yeah, you know, we can, we can go without, I guess, the state aid, even though the states do need the aid. Um, sure. if, if the Georgians manage to put those two over the top and we get Senators Warnock and Ossoff, and then right. we could do the state aid later. Um, so if any Georgian who believes that we should have state aid, you know, that, that, that Georgia might need help, you know, hey, you know, go that way. Because honestly, you know, not the cities are the ones that probably need a lot of help because the cities can't run death, but they have more people. Yep. So they need more aid. Um, and it's... I don't. I just don't understand. I've seen conservatives like on Facebook, whatever, arguing. Well, well, why would we let cities that burnt down? I mean, no city has burnt down. No, no, no. There's not been one city that's burned down. And the people doing the burning, in many cases, were conservatives posing as part of the move Black Lives Matter movement just to try and make the uh, Black Lives Matter movement look bad. Yeah, the false flag stunts that people pulled. No, these are just more myths. You know, Trump has set up this antagonism between, you know, people in the middle of the country and the evil Democratic Democrat cities, as they call them. Right. He's gone after mayors. He's gone after governors. He's, you know, what is his playbook is to make enemies and focus people on those enemies to distract them from what he's really doing. Right. And, and, so, you, and, and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Exactly. Exactly. Right. This is all misdirection. It's always been misdirection. That's why this whole voter fraud thing and the rigged election, you know, he sets this in the air. He floats it out in the air for a long time, just the way he did uh, during the Mueller report. You know, no collusion, no obstruction, no quid pro quo, witch hunt, hoax. He puts this stuff out there, but it gets into the news and people on the news allow it in like a Trojan horse and they right. frame it. In the way to say, well, there's no, absolutely no proof that there was any fraud whatsoever. But in doing so, they've let this lie get into the system. Right. You know, what they need to do is boot it out instantly in very clear language and call him out 
on the game that he's playing, but uh, it doesn't happen that way. Right. We have a couple questions more in the chat. Um, so we've got bringing boy again, asking what is court packing and what are, why are some Democrats seriously considering it? And I'll answer it. And then you can give your thoughts as well. Uh, court sure. packing is the idea of um, expanding the Supreme court from the current number of nine seats to a greater number of seats. Um, I personally have said that uh, the idea would be getting to 13 seats, but in order to do so, you probably need to go with 15 uh, because you need to nego- You never start where you want to end up in a negotiation. You start off, you know, more. You ask for more than what you want to get what you want. Um is not enough uh, simply because 11 just gives you two seats and you still have a conservative majority on the court uh, because the Republicans uh, in their actions, as, of, as we described earlier in the show, stole three seats. Uh, that they shouldn't have had. They again, they blocked Barack Obama from naming somebody who he should he should have been able to name. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like Merrick Garland was some flaming liberal judge. Uh, he was a middle of the road centrist who was supposed to be a consensus pick to replace uh, Scalia. Uh, that didn't happen. Right. And then you had again the strong arming of Kennedy. Um, with uh, threats about his son and his son's debts, I believe, um, stuff like that. That and Kennedy left prematurely, and then of course the unfortunate, untimely passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and the Republicans not following the own rules that they set for themselves when they claim that you should not be able to name a judicial a Supreme Court nomination in the year leading up to an election. Uh, so because they were unethical uh, about those three seats uh, it, it, and there's no way to impeach uh, those justices when you don't have enough votes in the Senate to do, to convict on impeachment. Uh, there really would be nothing criminal to impeach them on. You would only be impeaching on them on the fact that they were named in a way that was unethical. And so that probably wouldn't fly. You, you wouldn't find the votes in the Senate to remove them. Uh, so also the nope. only way to do that is to get a majority in the house and the Senate and to increase the size of the Supreme Court from what it is now to what you would want it to be. And to me, that should be 13. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, first of all, the word, the term court packing, I think, is one of those ugly sounding terms that Republicans have thrown out because it makes what the Democrats might be thinking about sounds really ominous. You know, although there is history for increasing the number of justices on the court. But thing is, I would ask, Democrats, one question: What would Mitch do? Right. That's my only bench. That's my only benchmark for what they ought to do. What would he do? You know, the move he did with Merrick Garland was a ballsy, gutsy thing, and he just didn't care because he figured if I win, we saw what happened, and if I lost, no harm, no foul. But Years later, when they tried, they made the complete opposite argument with uh, Amy Coney Barrett. You know, this is an election year, et cetera, et cetera. He went the other way. You know why? He doesn't care. Republicans are immune to hypocrisy. They just, they, you know, I've said this before. The worst thing you can call a Democrat is inconsistent in their position or horror of horror <laughs> as a hypocrite. The right. worst thing you can call a Republican is out of power. Right. And they will do anything it takes. You know, just look at Ron Johnson's behavior today. They will do anything to stay in power 
and fight off the opposition. And what Democrats have got to learn, to me, is two things. They, have, they need to learn how to fight, and they need to learn how to sell, which right. if you want to sell this idea, you take the word court packing out of the lexicon. And the other, you know, the other part of that equation also that I've heard is term limits for Supreme Court justices. You know, somebody was tossing around 18 years. Right. But lifetime, lifetime appointments, no, look where we are right now. And again, right. it's a miracle that those justices voted the way they did. But the cases they already heard, but the decision, the ACA is hanging in the balance and Roe v. Wade is hanging in the balance. Not exactly. to mention all these, all these state cases that have come up to try to, you know, the death by a thousand cuts of, uh, of Roe v. Wade. So and the one thing that, the one thing that's, that's shocking to me though, is, 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 you know, I, on this show, I've, I've liked to have pointed out the times where I was right and I called the shot and I was absolutely 100% correct. Um, people were, people were like, Back in 2016, I was sitting here going, well, what if Donald Trump gets to name three Supreme Court nominees? And they were like, that would never, that's not going to happen. That's ridiculous. Why would you think mm-hmm. he could name three? And guess what? He named three. So I was right. Um, there are other things that he's done that I've been able to point to say I was right. The one thing that I was wrong about, and I'll admit when I was wrong as well, and, and that I'm surprised that Mitch didn't do, is for that brief time of period of time when Trump had the House and the Senate they had they had all they had the House and the Senate. I'm surprised they didn't try and, and increase the size of the Supreme Court at that time. That that yeah, that's, their that's, advantage. that's I'm surprised that they didn't try and pull that. And maybe they felt that it would hurt them in the twenty eighteen elections and that's why they didn't do it. But apparently they didn't need they and they're probably kicking themselves for not doing it um during the uh, or before the 2018 elections, because then at that point there was no way for them to do it because the Democrats swept themselves yeah. into power in the House. So maybe yeah. maybe they were thinking, well, if we could just hold on to this for a little bit, we can now. Exp-, or maybe they were just hoping that Ruth Bader Ginsburg would die, and she did. Um, and then at that point, you can get control of the court that way. But frankly, I'm I'm shocked that they didn't just go for it from the head of, from the get go. Because at that point they wouldn't, they could have gotten through more of what they wanted to get through, um, and, and eliminated more of what they wanted to eliminate with a eleven to with an eleven seat court where you would have had um, at that point uh, at least six to five conservative to liberal justices. Yeah, but it's the same thing with the filibuster. They're always afraid if we get rid of it, it's going to come back and bite us in the ass. Well, one day that's what happened, and that's you know, what happened with the Democrats, yeah. though. The Democrats yes. got rid of the filibuster, and, and I was I, I I was like, look, this is going to bite you on the ass because it's going to. I, I I was critical of Democrats at the time for doing it, and they said, and I, and I was like, well, if the Democrats lose control of the Senate, and Democrats that I know were like, the Democrats aren't going to lose control of the Senate. I do not I do ne- never nobody should ever take away the ability of the Democrats to snatch defeat out of the jaws yes. of victory. The, the, no, they, they are, are they are ex are experts. Yeah, the, absolutely. They, they that, that have the one. The, they are the best at that, and they are the worst at wordsmithing, as as you pointed out. Yes. You know, they 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 can't sell the court packing, or you know, remove. They can't find a better word than court packing for it. Maybe they should call it right sizing the court. <laughs> that way, yep. correcting, right. correcting an imbalance that is there. Uh, 
because Mitch McConnell pulled a fast one. You know, if I right. were Biden and I got a chance to do that, I would name Obama to the Supreme Court. Yeah, I mean, I would see that. If they expanded the size of the court to at least seven, you know, he Biden did promise that he would name a black woman to the Supreme Court. So, you know, he has to do that. And then naming right. Obama to the Supreme Court would just be epic. That would be the ultimate screw you, which is something I would love to see, you yeah. know, but then there's still a few steps. You know, I'm looking at uh, attorney general right now. That's going mm-hmm. to be a very interesting pick. What, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on it? Um, what well, right now it's a choice between Jones and who's the other one? Garland of all. Yeah. Garland and Jones. I, there's two ways to look at it. I've seen some people who want to see Jones because they view Jones with his history of fighting civil rights as being a better pick, uh, somebody who's going to go after uh, the issues that are important versus um, versus Garland, who might be seen as more of a centrist and, and, and moderate and someone who might not be as aggressive on the issues as Jones might be. Um, there's maybe an argument to be made that if, if Garland goes up and gets that position, then you could name somebody who's more progressive to the seat where Garland was sitting in um, and start mm-hmm. working up that bench. Um, if, if you had, if, if I had to pick between the two, I think I would pick Jones every other in a vacuum, I would pick Jones. Yeah. But if we were to get the two seats in Georgia to make sure that Biden could place Garland with somebody that was more progressive and he was going to replace somebody that was more progressive, I would then probably uh, on a strategic note, go with Garland. Yeah. So my guess is they're going to wait until they see how that election shakes out. Yeah. Do you have a preference yeah, although, as who you would rather see? Uh, between the two, I mean, Doug Jones is a class act. I'm, I've written Alabama did not deserve him. You yeah. know, it's just un, unfathomable to me that the only way this guy beat Roy Moore was because he's running against an accused child molester. And then he right. loses to this moron of a football coach. You know, right. so Alabama, you know, screw Alabama. They don't deserve this guy. And yeah. I would say he belongs there. And if, if they get to increase the size of the court, then yeah, Merrick Garland, right on that list. Right. You know, let him march back into the place that he was denied before. Right. You know, per- personally, I had some other choices. I was, you know, in addition, like Preet Bharara or Sally Yates mm-hmm. or, you know, probably a long shot, but Glenn Kirshner. But some of this is going to depend on what their tone is going to be as far as investigations. Right. You know, I mean, my attitude right now, if I were if I were Joe Biden, I would call Mitch aside and say, if you're going to investigate my son, I'm going to go crazy on the Trump family. I am going to have, you know, and not not that these conversations are had, but they're certainly implied. I'll pick someone who will just go after them like mad. Right. But I think the good thing about having Joe Biden in the administration as as the president um, is, though, that you you have this idea that I think Obama held and uh, typically has been traditional was that the president kind of stayed out of the way of the person who is the AG. So you have so there so there is so you give them so so Biden doesn't necessarily say 
you know, I'm going to direct him to go after all these people, but you pick somebody who's going to independently not give a crap about, um, about who they piss off and that they're going to go after people who committed wrong. And if that happens to be the Trump family, so be it. Um, and maybe, maybe maybe he tangles that, that person's name out there and they're like, well, crap, he's serious. This person's going to come after them. And so we need to act right. So, yeah, I don't I don't believe, you know, people say I have never spoken with the president directly. No, of course you haven't. Those conversations were had, though, maybe by third parties. You know, when when Barr was put up and people were saying, you know, well, he's an institutionalist, so maybe he'll temper the president a little bit. I thought that was insane because they weren't looking at it from the point of view of the president and Trump after he got snake bit by Sessions would never in a million years have appointed someone who, di- who wasn't his Roy Cohn and knowing right. that that was understood. And even with Barr's little 18-page audition memo that he did about mm-hmm. uh, executive power, I don't believe for a second that those conversations were not had. And if you look at the way Barr acted up to a point, you know, through, uh, right. through the Mueller investigation – up to a point, but I don't know if this guy got an attack of, did he get an attack of, uh, of the law? Did he get an attack of conscience or did he start looking around going, I could be liable if I go further with this. <laughs> Honestly, you know, you know I, on, on the YouTube page of the white house, it was talking about, it was like, um, Kaylee McKennany was, was talking, the yes. press secretary was talking about, about, you know, whether or not Trump this is from like, yes, I think it was yesterday's press conference. And I basically was like, typically when the ship is sinking, the rats jump off. Um, I think, yeah. I think bar leaving may just very, very well be the, Hey, I'm the rat. I'm one of the rats that are jumping off. I'm not going to be one of these idiot rats that are staying on the ship as it drowns. Yeah. But I mean, the things he didn't do, Trump right. came out and said, I want you to investigate Obama, Biden. He said it. Out front, right. Barr didn't do it. He went, he went uh, deaf and dumb. So I think that was a message to him that I will not go this far. You know, and I don't know whether he's trying to preserve his reputation to you know, what's left of it, to <laughs> nail a corporate job afterwards, or if he's trying to stay out of the slam himself. I don't know how anybody connected with his administration who didn't jump ship early is going to somehow find a job anywhere without being having that taint of being part of the Trump administration, unless the place that they're looking for the job is some place that wants to maintain favor with the Trump administration. I don't know. It, yeah. it, it doesn't or make people, sense. People on that side of the fence will hire him. You know, right. Ken Starr is a law professor at Pepperdine. And oddly enough, uh, that, what's that guy's name? Eastman, the one who is defending Trump in the court in the Supreme Court and uh, was the one who put out the birther nonsense about Kamala Harris. He's a professor. He was the former dean uh, at the law school where I teach at Chapman University. Hmm. And now he's a professor there. So, you know, these people surface. Yeah. Oh, I see. Bringing a boy also asked in the chat. Uh, it's a good thing that there are no rules about experience qualification when picking a Supreme Court justice, thus allowing the pick uh, nominee based on the color of skin and gender. Well, here's the thing I would say to that, bringing a boy, is that um, we've had in the history of this country, lots and lots and lots of white men serve in that position. Uh, so the idea 
that uh, somebody might pick, you know, want to choose a black woman to fill the first position filled by a black woman does not mean that you're only basing it off of, you know, race and gender. There's, there's obviously are going to be other issues. You're, like, you're not going to be uh, some random woman off the street that says, oh, you know, you want to be on the Supreme Court? Sure, I'll be on the Supreme Court. Come on, let's go. You know, they're not going to pick just anybody. To, 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 they're going to pick yeah. somebody who's going to be highly qualified, who's going to meet, you know, check off all the boxes that one might want to have when uh, wanting to be on the Supreme Court. They're just going to happen to fill other boxes that were never previously checked before to make sure that people from certain points of view get to be, uh, get to have their say in the court. And it's not just um, an old white man club like it used to be. No, I don't think Scalia was picked because he was Italian. Right. You know, but with, was... with certain picks, look, the country is getting more civilized, but it's a slow, slow process. And this is part of the process. You need people with different backgrounds at all levels of government because they have life knowledge as well as legal knowledge. Right. And you need, you know, you need people to be represented. People have to be heard. Not that those decisions, obviously, if you look at the last few cases that came before the court, they tried to judge them based on the merits of the case. But, yeah, the days of nine old white men, I think, are over. Right. And, and, and nobody... just like with the Senate, you know, the Senate is, is a very, you know, very old white man place. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's hard in the Senate uh, until, unless you get people completely altruistic. It, it, it's it's going to be difficult in the Senate because you know, until until you have people who are no longer in the minority, who are currently a minority, you know, it's going to be hard to elect people who aren't, you know, white men, because that's the kind of the power structure as it is. But, you know, you should, in reality, if you want to have representation of, of all types of and people would say, well, that's the point of the House. Well, both should have it. You know, both the House of Representatives should also be the voice of the House of the people. But with so much gerrymandering that has taken place with the House, you know, it, it, it has become de facto representative of the state government's as opposed to the, what the Senate is supposed to be. Um, yes, but, and, they, and they, did, they did quite well in the last election. Yeah, they, they, you know, they, they increased this, the number of representatives in the House, and they increased their hold or, or strengthened their hold on state legislatures. Um, they, they have managed to maintain, in, as I've said uh, during my four-part series, currently four parts, uh, the GOP coup, even though they weren't able to win the White House again, even though they, they failed at that, which just, just shows how inept this administration was and the fact that had, he might have won had he not blundered when it came to COVID. But you know you what? Know, he, could, he could have won. Yeah. If he, if he had gone from the moment he had that conversation with Bob Woodward and said, this is dangerous, it's worse than the flu, it, it's airborne, if he had done a, you know, my fellow Americans, we have a big challenge before us. We're going to have to pull together, et cetera, et cetera. We need to wear masks. If he had done that, first of all, all of his idiots who ran around right. to these super spreader events would have listened to him completely. Right. I like to refer they to would, them. They, I, I've been referring to them as lemmings. Yes. 
they would not, you know, he encouraged them to go to the super spreader event. He encouraged them not to wear masks. He did every single thing wrong. If he had done it correctly, he could have won. I mean, he got 73 million votes, which terrifies me because 73 million Americans looked at the last four years, including the last year of COVID and said, yeah, let's do that again. Right. That it's, is it's, it's, it's scary. It's absolutely scary that that, that happened. Unfortunately, fortunately we got 80 million. And of course I'm sure we're bringing a employee yeah. in the chat will disagree uh, that, that those are legitimate votes, you know, dead people and all the other, you know, people that shouldn't be voting, no, no, whatever. No, no, no. That's not the case, but the, we, we got 80 million to say, no, enough with this. This is too much. This is already too much. Um, and what was it? Lost my train of thought. But the, um, but yeah, he would have won. I think he we could have won at least. I was, I still wouldn't have voted for him because of all the other issues that he had. Oh, um, uh, but, but that that was off the table. So, but, but he, but he have... I, I think there was a much better chance of it. But this system is rigged against liberals because you have to overwhelmingly defeat the Republicans um, to be able to over to defeat the advantage that they have in the electoral college and. Uh, it, it, it's the electoral college as it stands is not like the apportionment is not to the levels even that the founders would have wanted. Uh, I, doing, I did the math a couple of years ago on the podcast and was like, and if, if you if you took like the smallest state, so Wyoming's worth of voters, and said that's one congressional district, then you would have about a hundred more seats in the house. So yeah. and. And that, that necessarily wouldn't have meant that Trump would have lost the last time. I think he still would have won with that. But if you really wanted it to be apportioned properly, you would gain at least 100 seats more in the House because states would, would be more adequately represented uh, in the way that the founders wanted, which still isn't you know, the greatest system in the world because it is what it is. I'm sorry. Wait, let, I usually let Trump say that. Hold on. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Th- thank you, Donald. Um, so you, uh, you know, but you would, it would be a much more adequately representative. So of course it still doesn't stop gerrymandering. And if you add states in, you know, states where the legislature controls the map drawing and you didn't have, for example, uh, the Supreme court of that state overturn those rulings like they did in Pennsylvania, um, and made it so that in the last, I think in 2018, instead of it being a 13 to five split, it became a nine to nine split uh, in, this, in the congressional districts because the map was redrawn in a way that was much more fair. I personally believe that we're in this time and age where we don't need congressional districts. We should just be electing slates of candidates from each state and let people vote for slates as it stands. And that way you don't have to worry about geography because the reason you had congressional districts in the past was because you needed somebody from a geographic area because crossing more than that geographic area would have been difficult. Now we can have virtual communications with people. Now we can cross the country in a day, let alone cross a district in a day, cross a district in less than an hour sometimes or less, depending on the state. Um, I mean, if you're Wyoming, maybe it takes more than that, but that's a wide open area. That's the, the Wyoming congressional seat is the same size as the Senate seat. Um, so in my opinion, you don't even well, need congressional seats anymore. And you would get rid of that whole gerrymandering to begin with. And then you just elect slates, but that's 
probably a that, topic for another they're show. Not, they're not, yeah, they're not letting that go any more than they're going to adopt the popular vote. Right. You know, they see the way this is going. They, they did everything they could to screw with the census, including cutting it off early. Um, you know, they, they, like, they like their advantages. They like their games. You know, I keep right. coming back to Georgia right now because Georgia is an acid test. You know, you've got two of the biggest stiffs running, you know, Kelly Lifeless and Chicken Dave Perdue, both <laughs> accused of insider trading. Right. I don't know. I mean, Ossoff, he is, he's kicking ass, this guy. He's tough. You know, he's – he knows how to fight. He knows how to debate. He's sharp. Warnock, very ethical guy, but I was hoping in that debate that he could have been a little stronger. Ossoff's strong, so strong that Purdue chickened out and didn't literally didn't attend the debate. So I yeah, mean, he called him. He called him a crook to the, his face the last time they met. Right. You know, that was just that's the kind of fighting I want to see out of Democrats because. A, it was the truth, and it was obviously the truth because the guy didn't even respond. You know, he just sat there as his necktie started to strangle him. But Democrats have got to learn how to go for the jugular. And in this, ele- this election is going to tilt the balance of power for decades. Right. If Mitch, if Mitch gets to play obstruction for two more years and get – to 2022, where he's got a shot at picking up the House, you know, they're going to make life very difficult, you know, and right. Lord knows, you know, Lord knows what 2024 is going to be. But, yeah, that's- you know, I, yeah, I'm hoping that with this vaccine, that Biden will, uh, you know, open up the economy. It's like a spigot. You need to open it up slowly and safely. And once people are back to work and they do an infrastructure bill, which I think should be centered around building community hospitals in every single area that's lost them. If you do that and then you take credit for it and you, what they have to do simultaneously is they have to crush Trump's brand into dust. Right. He he has to be the new Benedict Arnold. You know, every talking point he's had, I created the greatest economy in history. No, you didn't. You let hundreds of thousands of people die. You tanked the economy. Exactly. I mean, they, they have to go after him uh, with every weapon they have, and it doesn't even have to be Biden himself. You, you know, you get your spokespeople. They have to trash these people, grind them into the dust, and then salt the earth so another one doesn't grow. Right. You know, but they have their little acolytes out there who may not be as ugly on the surface, but their policies are just as ugly. You know, Absolutely. now whether they have the same same sort of snake oil charm that Trump has, I don't think so. You know, I don't think people are going to follow Tom Cotton off a cliff. <laughs> Probably not. You know, he's got the charisma of a rock. Right. And, but, you know. But the problem, the problem with the whole lemming thing is, is and even, I'll use it all the time. Like, I've gotten to the point where I'm just going to respond to people. I just respond to people who are uninformed about the whole virus thing. I'm just like, okay, lemming. Just like an okay boomer comment. But I think because yeah. I, I, I made the video today, I made um, a fat man rant on YouTube about, you know, all of the, the common responses that these lemmings will say in response to 
you know, what you're thinking. And I think I just might just go, okay, Lemming, and then give a link to that video. Uh, but the problem, yep. with the, Lemming, the problem with the analogy is that Lemmings just drive themselves off the cliff, supposedly. Um, these Lemmings are bringing everybody off the cliff because their actions harm others. And that's, yeah. that's, that, 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 yeah, that's I mean, the thing not- that I, I can't get it. Like, I literally had somebody, um, I, call, I was like, look, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Could you please wear a mask? Like, cause I had, it was, we, we were just dealing with a hurricane. So I had to go to a store more often to get food daily instead of the times that I would limited normally go. My wife's immunocompromised. So I'm at the store. Here's this guy. She's mask is around her chin. He's not wearing a mask at all. Like he had to go out to his car yeah. to get his mask. Cause they may, they asked him to do so. And like, it got to the point where like he kept on raising his voice. And of course I kept on raising my voice. And then his friend was waiting in the parking lot for me afterwards and said, if it wasn't for all these cameras, I'd have shot you. And I'm like, these people are taking this really seriously. You know, the, the, the fact that they want to be able to, they, they don't care about killing people because he threatened that he would, I, I didn't believe him. I didn't believe that he would actually shoot me. He kind of made a motion as if he was going to reach for something. And I looked at him and I, uh, as if to call his bluff, I didn't flinch. And he just walked away at that point. But I mean, my biggest thing is like but, on that one was nobody in the store was, was offering to come to my aid either. Like no, no employee, no, nothing. Nobody called the cops. It was just me sitting there waiting for this idiot to do something stupid. And but you know what? This, this, this all goes back to Trump yep, and it the does. fact that these people, these people are just sheep. If he had told them it's important to wear masks. In fact, when you go out in public to a store, Bring, I want you to bring extra masks. And if you see somebody who doesn't have one, give it out to them or sell them or you know, give them away out front. They would have done that. They yeah. are just par- they, they are behaving in the way they've been told to behave. And he could have made MAGA masks at the beginning him. and said, wear these MAGA masks. Yeah. He should have just made he, he probably should have just made brown masks because that would have been more appropriate. Yes. But, but they would have. They would have done it. All that behavior, all the proud boys, you know, yeah. all those riots, all those super spreader events, you know, Herman Cain can send out a big thank you from the grave. This right. all came from the top, you know, because what the dear leader says, these people do. He had the power to turn it off or turn it on. And he turned it up because it was to his advantage. Yep. You know, and because there's, there's something sick inside this guy. That likes, you know, when he sees these guys running around D.C. lighting fires and knifing people and beating people up, I think he gets off on it. That All right, I guess the, power. Last, the last question we'll deal with, I guess, before we call the show for the night is uh, bringing a boy in the chat. Why go after Trump and be so hateful? Just do the job and proof will be in the pudding. Well, the reason we have to go after him is because he's he's not conceding. He he is con- he is continuously harming this country with his rhetoric he is continuously he can't just for the good of the country say joe biden won the won the election i am going to leave gracefully and transfer the power peacefully to the next administration and if i make a case in 2024 for the voters to bring me back then i'll do so but at this point let's go on and go with Joe Biden and, 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 you know, the American people have spoken. If he would do that, then maybe we would be willing to, to, to not, to, to not continue talking about this and to just focus on the future. But he won't do that because he doesn't care about the good of the country. He only cares about himself. And because of that, 
we have to continuously focus on it to to continuously fight back against his um, against him and his supporters who are still out there because his rhetoric is ca- caused the Republican mayor of whatever Dodge it's Dodge City I couldn't remember earlier the Republican mayor of Dodge City left the Republican Party and resigned and moved because she now is afraid for her life because she put in a mask mandate in her city. You know, the fact that these people feel like they can bully and, and, and threaten and go to the homes of these people who are in charge of making decisions yep. about masking and social distancing and vaccines and anything else pertaining to this virus and trying to keep uh, the virus from spreading, the fact that they feel that they are empowered, these people are empowered by Donald Trump to go out there and cause a, a threatened violence, cause panic and fear in their actions in the hopes that, that people will, will, will resign and will go away. And in some cases it's working because you look at that you have to make a decision. Do I risk my family's life and the life of myself and others for, for these people who are, you know, how do I stand up to those? And, and people ch- will choose not. They allow themselves to be bullied because we don't have anybody standing. So we have to fight. You have to stand up to the bullies. If you don't stand yeah. up to the bullies, then the bullies win. And that's why I will consistently, that's why I still say things when I'm passing somebody in a grocery store who's not wearing a mask properly, because these people are also bullies, because they're saying that they don't give a crap about anybody else and that they don't want to be inconvenienced at all, even though wearing a mask isn't that much of an inconvenience at all, but they don't want to have anything changed about their daily routine in order, because even if it might help other people from having losses in their families, like death. So I want to get, I want to get your opinion on that statement. uh, And then we'll probably just go ahead and wrap it up after that. Yeah. Look, all these people, they're scared to death because they're losing their dear leader. He empowered them after eight years of Obama, they got re-empowered by Trump. And the last thing they want to do is let that go. So it's killing them that he lost because it wasn't just that he lost. It was that they lost. Right. And that terrifies them. And what terrifies Trump is that he knows exactly what's waiting for him in New York. He knows there are investigations waiting for him. He knows they're going to grab his taxes. He's going to be in court. He's got other cases, people coming after him, sexual abuse. He's going to be tied up in court for years. He right. does not want to live that way. And if he can stay, if he could have stayed, I will put it that in that tense, in the White House, he could have avoided all that. But that's not going to happen. So he knows what the future is going to be. And he will do anything and sacrifice anyone to avoid that. I mean, the last thing I heard tonight was he was thinking of a pardon for Alan Weisselberg, who was his money guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. He handled all the money for the Trump family for decades. You know, imagine what this guy knows. But I don't know why he's pardoning him, because if you get a pardon, A, that means you admit to a crime. And right. B, you can't, take, you can't take the fifth in another proceeding. Right. So I'm not there sure, you, uh, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not sure of the strategy. But, you know, it's just like Al Capone's accountant. Imagine what this guy knows. Right. That, that, that's an interesting point, though, that there's no reason for him to plead the fifth once uh, a, there's no reason. B, I don't know if, yeah, you, you might be right in that. If you can't be punished for the actions, you, can, you might not be able to plead the fifth. I think that might actually be true. I remember hearing that somewhere. So uh, the one thing I am worried about, though, when it comes to Trump, 
uh, and serving a prison term is this uh, in order before Hitler's atrocities took place, he had to go to jail too. So that's, yep. that's, the, that's the one thing where history repeating himself, you know, he hasn't gone well, to jail yet. Um, and, you want to know but, what his, if you want a, a clue as to his playbook, uh, his first wife, Ivana, told her lawyer that he used to keep a copy of uh, Hitler's speeches by his bedside. Yep. And if you remember, if you remember the Republican convention, uh, his line, I alone can fix it. Right. If you remember that. I, when I watched that, I thought this is a very strange, this is above his station rhetorically. He doesn't speak in this grand of fashion. I alone. Right. Where did he pull that out of? Well, after the election, I started reading the rise and fall of the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't tell me how. I'm only halfway through, so don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> but when Hitler got out of jail and he reassembled his flock and gave him his speech, what he said was, I alone lead the movement. So, yeah, this guy's working from the same playbook. I know, yeah, Godwin's rule, you know, the second you invoke Hitler, you've lost an argument. I think it's a lot safer to do that. Assume the worst. Uh, You know, I'd rather assume the worst and be relieved than assume the best and be shocked again. Yep, exactly. So is there anything else that you, anything you also want to plug, plug your book, plug anything else you have upcoming before we we call it a night? Well, I'm... uh, Plugging the book I wrote, last book I wrote called Death to America, at which I'm thinking if we make it past 120, I may write a postscript, post-inauguration, and call it America's near-death experience. Right. But right now, I'm sticking with this because I trust nothing until it happens, you know? Right. Be- Again, as you said, it better to, better expect better to expect the worst and be relieved than expect the best and then be disappointed. So... Um, yeah. I, again, I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't see the path. I always ask the conservatives who think that Trump is going to maintain the presidency after January 20th, what's the path? Um, and I don't know what that path would be. Um, but uh, there, I don't think there's a legal path for him to do it, let's just, or a constitutional path for him to do it. But you know, who knows what he might try and come up with between now and then. So we have to stay ever vigilant. And the one thing we do need to do, as you've pointed out, we need to make sure that help Georgia flip blue again. Both Senate seats, Warnock and Ossoff, need to be elected in order to prevent Mitch McConnell from doing any future obstruction for at least the next two years until the next round of elections come forward. And and how can people find you online? Where where can they find your book? uh, uh, On Amazon. Death to America, both Kindle and paperback, and I'm on Twitter at iGervitz. Should anybody feel like having a conversation? Yeah, and I and I tagged you in that post in my tweet at Liberal Dan Radio there as well. So again, thank you for coming on the show. I am sure we will have you back. Maybe we'll have you back right after the uh, the January sixth uh, meeting of Congress just to see how that goes as well. At some point after there, or maybe after the inauguration, so we can have a collective sigh of relief when everything if everything yeah. goes the way that we want it to go but again you know i'll either, I expect, I'll either be uh, i'll either be drinking champagne in the streets or huddled in a bunker <laughs> that's fair enough all right well i thank you so much for again for coming on the show appreciate it and you have sure. a good rest of your year happy holidays and stay safe you too all you right. too take care you as well Bye. and that concludes this 
week's episode of uh, Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. I will be back next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central. Wednesday on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Again, go to liberaldan.com to find all the different places to find me on social media. Remember to support the Patreon. Patreon.liberaldan.com will bring you right there. You can back the show for as little as three bucks. You can buy commercial time, support the show, and remember to go to youtube.liberaldan.com subscribe to the show as well. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right.